The Indianapolis Colts defense is here to eat. For the third time this week, they proved to be the better side of the ball in practice. So we'll tell you all about it on this episode of Locked on Colts. Let's get to it. You are Locked on Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Colts fans, thanks so much for tuning in and making us your number one listen of the day. This is your daily podcast covering your Indianapolis Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Jake Arthur, joined as always by my partner, Zach Hicks. Uh, You know us both from HorseshoeHuddle.com, part of the Fan Nation and Sports Illustrated family. Uh, We are also all over Twitter. You guys know us and love us from there, I'm sure. Uh, I am a credentialed member of the Colts media and a part of the PFWA. And Zach is the most beloved film guy in uh, in Colts country, I would say. <laughs> beloved by some. <laughs> yeah, beloved by some, infamous for others. Uh, yeah. Today we're going to tell you all about how Wednesday's Colts practice went down. And we'll also talk about how long the starters might play in Saturday's preseason opener in Buffalo and what we think about that. I know, Zach, you're not a big fan, but again, we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, uh, so, so starting out Wednesday's practice, uh, the following guys missed practice. It was wide receiver DeMichael Harris, offensive lineman Dennis Kelly, linebacker Forrest Ryan, and defensive tackle Chris Williams. Cornerback uh, Dallas Flowers, uh, he left at one point later in practice. He was looked at by trainers on the sideline. Uh, looked to me like right ankle foot issue is what they were looking at. And finally, uh, the Colts got some guys back on the field because the injury list had just been getting longer without getting many guys back on it. Yeah, you see. Uh, So (laughs) these guys returned. It was Curtis Brooks, of course, wide receiver Paris Campbell, defensive tackle Byron Cowart, running back Devontae Price, safety Will Redman, and offensive lineman Jason Spriggs. Uh, Much of what the 11-on-11 team drills focused on today uh, was the offense being backed up deep into their own territory. And they also did some low red zone work closer to the goal line near the end of practice. So, Zach, we've talked a lot about Alec Pierce versus uh, Stephon Gilmore throughout camp so far. Gilmore's really been kind of getting the better of him, particularly in, in the one-on-one stuff. But today, uh, the one-on-one drills were were right there in the end zone. Pierce made a nice uh, a nice leaping grab against Gilmore. They were kind of tangled a little bit at the catch point, but Pierce was able to pull it down. Uh, if you guys haven't seen my notes from today yet, I threw a video of it in there. I think Colts Militia had it, so not a bad one. Yeah, and you know, we've, we've talked about this a lot uh, throughout all these training camp podcasts. And, you know, again, at the end of the day, this is only going to help Alec Pierce. You know, every single day seeing – you know, what some people and, and honestly what we might still be thinking is a top 10 corner in football. He's seeing him every single day in practice like that is huge for Alec Pierce. So uh, the fact that you can already see that improvement coming, you can see him incrementally getting better, and better. You know, that that's just a testament to what this matchup is doing for his game. So obviously, again, you want to see that translate more to 11 on 11s and to the preseason when when we get to the, to the preseason. But uh so far in the one-on-ones and actually seeing it, you know, seeing some progress from Alec Pierce uh, just shows that that matchup in practice every day is really helping him. 
Yeah, a big thing lately has been, you know, the young receivers having some issues. Pierce is kind of part of that, you know, some drops here. They're not really blowing up in practice so far, but he's fighting for his life against Gilmore every day. So that, <laughs> that's kind of to be expected. It, like you said, it'll be better for him once the regular season gets here. And he's had that on the job training against Gilmore. Uh, again, today there was there were some drops from these uh, these tight ends and, and the wide receivers. Today. So early on, I counted one from Jonathan Taylor as well. He was about to get hit. And then Mo Alleycox had one as well. Mo with those big hands, he's, he's not always the, the most sure-handed fella out there. But, you know, th- those were drive killers. The offense just kind of struggles to put hypothetical points on the board in, in practice. Um, still having some of those, those dropsy issues. So not great. They, they really need to put this week behind them and kind of look ahead to Buffalo, it sounds like. Yeah, you know, we 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 said last week, so I don't or the last podcast uh, yesterday, so I don't want to go too far into it. But, you know, mm-hmm. this wide receiver group, it is still pretty early. It's still a month until the first game. They still haven't played a preseason game. We still have, you know, two to three weeks left of practices. So I'm not at the I'm still not at that point where it's like, you know, bring in a vet. You know, you have to bring in a vet. These guys aren't ready. But you want to see these drops cleaned up. I mean, again, I went on a whole tangent on it yesterday's podcast. You can live with running the wrong route because, again, it's it's you're, you're adjusting to a new quarterback. You can live with poor throws or poor timing or just getting beat by Stephon Gilmore. But the drops you cannot live with. You just can't live yeah. with drops. They're, they're, they're drive killers. So uh, you want to see that cleaned up and just having another day filled with drops. I mean, I know I think Kevin Bowen put it out there on Twitter that it was he counted half a dozen today as well. Yeah. So. Uh, you just want to see those numbers come down. You know, it's, it's fine to have one or two in a practice, but when you're seeing it be six, seven, eight every single day, it's like, come on, man. Like, that's the easiest part of your job is just catching the ball. You know, you did all the work to get open. Just make the catch. Yeah, and it's drive killers like you mentioned, but in, in the instance today, it turns the ball over. Uh, I, it was the second team, but Nick Foles hit Philip Lindsay in the end zone just kind of bounced off Lindsay's chest and hands and EJ speed got to the ball before it hit the ground. That's not only a drive killer, you don't have the ball anymore. So that that's like the, the biggest part of it. I think back to like a couple years ago, most of Phillip rivers interceptions, I feel like were tipped balls and like drops and, and things like that. So we, a lot we've of, seen uh, a lot of Andrew to Lux work too in 2018. Oh, yeah. uh, there was that, there, there were two that come to mind when I think of that 2018 season with Andrew Luck. There was mm-hmm. one against the Patriots where Zach Pascal literally like punched it up in the air and yeah. it was picked <laughs> off. And then the one in that the disastrous Jaguars game where they lost six nothing, where it literally bounced off Mo's oh. hands on like a on like a deep corner route or something, bounced off his hands yeah. right to Miles Jack. And it's like, man, what are you gonna do? But yeah, no drops are killer. I mean, especially in those situations. But uh, drops, they're just such moment. They're like almost as bad as like a big sack you know, allowing like a sack. Mm. It's just complete momentum killer because you're, you know, if, if you take the amount of yards that you would have gained on that catch, you know, you're, it's basically like losing yards every time uh, that you have a drop. So you just can't live with those. Yeah. So I'll be honest, I'm tired of talking about the same issue with, with the right, offense all right. week. Let's, we can kind of get to some, some highlight plays from today. Uh, one of them was courtesy of Sam Ellinger again. I was during seven on sevens, I believe. And it was from 30 yards out. He just kind of hit Isaiah Ford on a rope right down the middle of the field and, and right inside the end zone. Ford made a great leaping catch, landed right on his back. It looked like he was probably going to have the wind knocked out of him, but 
landed right on his back and held on to it. So that was a really good play. Uh, Paris Campbell was back today. He had a really nice catch, about a 15-yard um, 15 yard out route from Ryan. Ashton Doolin had a really nice catch. Uh, Nick Foles, again, is probably, I think it was 12 yards that counted. Foles threw a little behind him as he crossed towards the left side. And Doolin just kind of leaped up and reached behind him and pirouetted in the air and, and came down with it. So uh, Doolin is becoming really good at those, uh, those not circus catches, but non-routine catches, I guess I'll say. Yeah. I will say from watching Doolin's film last year and stuff, I think the thing I wrote down was he makes the easy catches look hard, but he makes the hard catches still look hard, but he catches them. Yeah. <laughs> every every catch looks hard for him, but he comes down with it a lot. I mean, he, he, like he comes down with it. So it's like, eh, you know, whatever. But yeah, he made a couple of nice catches last year too. I think uh, there was one against, I want to say the Jets where he had like a deep out route and the timing between him and Wentz was a tad off. So he had to like lay out for it and he had to drag his feet uh, and he had that one perfectly. So, yeah, I mean, Doolin, it's weird for such a great athlete. He's kind of awkward, but he makes a lot of really impressive catches. Uh, some of them on hard throws, some of them on easier ones, but uh, you know, as long as you come down with it, I don't care, you know, come down with it. Very true. And I love how you put that. Cause I think Mo is kind of the same way. Where yeah, Mo, like... Mo is definitely the same way. Yeah, he can make some impossible catches or, you know, he can, you know, it looks like he's just got brick hands. You never know what you're going to get. Let's see. Another one was a Tyson Williams run. Uh, The Colts RB4, I believe, on the depth chart. Uh, They were kind of butted up against their own goal or against their own goal line. Yeah. Um, It was it looked like it would have been a legit play during a game. He just kind of gashed up, you know, kind of the left belly right up the middle. He, of course, in practice took off. It would have been a 99 yard or whatever, but legit in game, probably 20 yards or so. So that was good to see uh, a validating run by him, I guess, because he just kind of, he's a decent runner, but it seemed by he like he was RB4 by default because Deion Jackson, I don't want to say demoted, but he did get shuffled down the depth chart a little bit. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm excited for Williams here in the, the preseason games. I think it's big. I, I do think there's a, there's an outside chance he could, you know, take that RB4 or maybe an RB3 job uh, with a strong preseason. So uh, I'm excited to watch him because, you know, he's a young player that had some good film last year. Mm-hmm. So, Zach, of course, training camp's got me running around without much time to do anything else besides worry about football. Sometimes that means I barely even have time to eat, and that is the perfect opportunity for me to snag a Bilt Bar. If you are, If you haven't tried Bilt Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. You ready? It's delicious, indulgent cookie dough, which is covered in chocolate. That's right. Bill has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite. It's got a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Feel all of the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of actually making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the family. It'll be the perfect treat. Or you can find a really good hiding spot and just hoard them for yourself. (laughs) Which is what you've been doing with all these training camp days here. Uh, But what's great about Built is that all their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff 
Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need a quick bite to eat. Gosh, I cannot talk today, guys. <laughs> Built is the perfect <laughs> protein bar, and they taste better than a candy bar. Ditch the calories, ditch the fat, ditch the sugar. Grab yourself a Built bar. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo LOCKED15. All right, let's talk some defense, guys. And there's one guy I really want to talk about because I feel like I feel like we haven't properly talked about him enough. You know, we've mentioned this guy a lot, but obviously we have our favorites on the defensive line, on the interior defensive mm-hmm. line battle. We have our I mean, I don't know who my favorite is currently, but I you know, I have some favorites on the interior defensive line battle, but RJ McIntosh. I keep seeing his mm-hmm. name popping up every single day, you know, Pass deflections, pressures, uh, getting mm-hmm. runs with the twos, rotating in with the ones. Like RJ McIntosh had another strong day today, right, Jake? Yeah, he sure did. And like uh, Curtis Brooks is our guy. RJ McIntosh is Joel Erickson's guy. So it's time to give Joel his flowers on this hit so far with McIntosh. Uh, no, he's uh, he's been really active, and he's he's deserving some of these uh, these rotational reps with the ones. He's really aware of passing lanes it seems like for the second time today he got his hands up into a passing lane against matt ryan and uh this time it led to an interception uh got his hand up tip passed and bobby okarake flew in for the interception uh so he's really aware there he can get some penetration he's i think he's a little better of a run defender um but you know for for interior defenders who don't rush the passer all that well the next best thing you can do is know where the passing lanes are coming and just get your hands up. And I think that's the second day in a row that I've mentioned that he's done a really good job of doing that. Uh, he's looked pretty good in the one-on-ones, uh, uses his hands pretty well in, in combat, not just in passing lanes. But, yeah, he's he's been a pleasant surprise. He's making his case for a roster spot. I have no clue how I'm going to stack this interior defensive line battle. No. I, I really have no clue. Like, <laughs> Curtis Brooks is the most – is the most athletic, versatile pass rusher on that interior. Eric Johnson is the freaky athlete run defender. McIntosh mm-hmm. is playing really well. Coward has a ton of experience. Uh, Chris Williams was the inside track guy going into camp. Like, how the heck do you pick two of these guys out of this group? <laughs> like, that's going to be insane. No idea. Yeah, and the the tough thing is, again, we've talked about Chris Williams was the third guy coming into camp, but right. he's been gone since the first practice, and – it's it sucks to say because he's a pretty decent player, but if you're not, it's the same thing with Mike Strawn on offense. If you're not there, the other guy, you have to give the other guys the spot. Um, so I mean, just for me personally, I've been kind of paying attention to Williams. Initially, he was out in one of those big boots, and he's been he's had a just a little brace on lately, so he may be getting closer to returning. Uh, so that'll be good. You know, it was about this time last year where he really turned it on when the Panthers came in for the joint practices. Uh, of course, this time next week, the Lions will be in town. There's two about two, two and a half weeks left. So there is still time for him to to do it. But he's got some ground to make up. Yeah, no, all these other guys are playing well. You know, Eric Johnson, we're talking about every day. Curtis Brooks, obviously, we're talking about every day. But yeah. I see him. I see him mentioned by other people as well. Uh, and Byron Coward, again, he's getting a lot of run out there. So it's like, mm-hmm. that's going to be so tough there. But who else stood out to you? Any of the any of the edge players uh, had a good day? Yeah, so uh, Adenigbo put another sack on, on his uh, counter there. I don't even know how many it is, but that's, I think it's 
at least four within the last five practices. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So he's been doing really well. Some I've been happy to see about him is, you know, you and I kind of talked about him being like a souped up Al-Qadim Muhammad, but he's showing some bend and and some athleticism around the edge and and getting to the quarterback. And as a guy who can kick inside and, and kind of play the run a little bit as well, or be like a inside situational pass rusher, I didn't expect him to be that athletic and flexible, I guess, but he is. Yeah, no, he, he's a talented player. I mean, again, seven sacks a couple years ago with the Vikings, mm-hmm. uh, always been a very, very capable player. He's kind of like, if you could bottle up those couple good route rushes that you would get from Al-Qadim Muhammad a year, like, you know, like the mm-hmm. five <laughs> that you would get from him and just expand them a little bit more and have a little bit more consistency, that's kind of what you get out of it. And that's why, you know, I and, and obviously you were, were pretty big on that signing would happen because if he's your sixth defensive end or fifth defensive end, you're doing good. That's a good player yeah. to have right there. So, uh, yeah, I'm not shocked that he's having a good camp, especially if he's running with the twos against, um, you know, Spriggs or Jordan Jordan Murray and all those guys out there off the edge. Mm-hmm. You, you'll not be surprised to know DeForest Buckner had a really good day again. I, I counted like three plays in a row where he was super disruptive or made the play himself. Uh, there was there was a play where he blasted through the line, and then it was like the whole defensive front got to Jonathan Taylor all at once immediately. The next play, he burst through again, which caused Ryan to hesitate for just a second and go to his next read. And by that time, Kenny Moore had been coming off a nickel blitz and was able to bat the pass away. And, and then I think he just did it again. And Ryan got rid of the ball that other time, but he was all over the place. So not surprising, but it was a big linebacker day today. And I've mentioned O'Karake and, and Speed had an interception. We finally got a nice little play from Sterling Weatherford. Yes. Uh, I, think it, I think it was a get, Yeah. So Jack Cohn was going to Ethan uh, Fernier. That's another guy. I don't know how to say his last name. Fernier. Fernia. I don't know. I'll get it. I'll get it eventually. Uh, but no, it was maybe like a little five-yard comeback or something. And Weatherford was just right there to lower his shoulder into him and kind of blast him away from the ball. So it was good to see something. There we go. Yeah, that's something there. Uh, another thing that you mentioned, though, that I want to jump to real quick is you talk about those nickel blitzes. I saw a lot of talk today. You know, Tony Brown had a sack or a pressure. Yep. Any more right there on a, on a nickel blitz. Were you guys seeing a little bit more nickel blitzes thrown in there today? I've seen it throughout camp so far. It it's, seems to be one of the most frequently used blitzes through camp so far, and it's working. You, know, you had a, a whole thing where you talked about when he, when uh, Gus Bradley blitzes, it's not often, but it seems to work. Kenny Moore is one of the best blitzing corners in the entire NFL, so kind of Gus Bradley kind of hit a home run uh, uh, getting getting him grandfathered into that deal. Um, but Tony Brown has, has been pretty decent too. Uh, I think I've counted Anthony Chesley getting to the quarterback a couple times throughout camp. So the, these, these little wrinkles are seem to be working at least against the Colts offense. Yeah. Not, again, not to go on too much of a tangent here because you guys can read all about this in, in an article I wrote recently on Gus Bradley about his, his blitz tendencies and some of his blitz calls, but his, his uh, nickel corner blitzes are called snake blitzes. Uh, basically you're just going to snake that, that nickel corner off the edge there. Uh, he likes to do it when when the corner's on the play side, you know, and, and against trips or against uh, the you know the side with the tight end or something like that. He'll just sneak that corner off the side there. Uh, super effective. Nate Hobbs last year, I think, had ten pressures. Uh, I think a sack and three it's or four quarterback good. hits. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I think he had ten pressures last year on like I want to say it was like thirty or forty rushes. So not a ton. 
so when when Bradley does bring those snake blitzes, they are pretty effective. So uh, yeah, it doesn't shock me he's throwing those out in camp. Out in camp, and and I expect him to do more with Kenny this year than he did with Hobbs last year. Hobbs was a good blitzer; like Hobbs did a good job with it. But mm-hmm. you you just have much more versatility with Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore is a lot more comfortable blitzing off the edge because he's done it so many times. Yeah, and, and my last point on defense involves a couple more defenders. Just a, a couple guys who had really good coverage plays. I wanted to point out. Uh, Nick Foles threw threw one down the right sideline about 30 yards to Desmond Patman. And Patman made a it was Marvell Tell in coverage. Patman made a really good play on the ball to try and get it. But Marvell Tell's coverage was just so involved and just right there that Patman just could not get to it. So it was really good to see. We're gonna keep shouting out Marvell Tell when he does good things. Cause yeah, if it works with Marvell Tell, that's gonna be a very good thing for this defense. Uh, and then Nick Cross, maybe with an even better play. Uh, Matt Ryan went about 40 yards down the left sideline to Michael Pittman Jr. And it was Nick Cross who was there, just stride for stride with Pittman and broke up the pass when it got down there. So a couple young guys with a, with a nice pair of pass breakups today. I don't know how much you remember the play with Michael Pittman Jr. there, but was, was Pittman in the slot on that play, or was he like an outside receiver and, and Cross was I like think it was just – I think it was – I, I didn't notice the beginning of it, but I don't think it developed for very long. So I feel like maybe Pittman was on the outside left and maybe Cross just picked him up as he was coming downfield. Yeah. I'm just there, there was because... a little more, well, there was a little more cover two involved later in practice. It wasn't right. all Julian being single high. So yeah, that's why I was thinking, cause I, I was going through, uh, I don't want to say that actually. I don't think I'm allowed to say that. I was going through, uh, notes I have on Gus Bradley's older defenses uh-huh. uh, and th- there are a lot of palms there's a lot of cover too a lot of quarters type stuff so I was curious if that was like a quarters coverage like a deep coverage or if that was like Pittman was in the slot and Cross was down you know covering underneath and he was just carrying him with that match coverage so that's just my nerdy stuff there I'll be able to watch it more in the preseason obviously but um yeah, that's cool to see. Because uh, Cross, you know, we, I, I know we said it so many times in this podcast, you know, he's going to be the strong safety. He's going to be in the box. But he's also going to be in deep coverage a lot. You know, there's so much rotating of safeties nowadays. He will be deep a lot. And there will be a lot of cover, too, and, and quarters looks as well. So, um, yeah, Cross is going to be able to show off the athleticism quite a bit. Mm-hmm. No doubt. And then, so, Cross is one guy that we think is we're going to see probably a lot on Saturday, if I had to guess. Uh, the next thing we're going to discuss is – uh, the Colts and the, the playing time for the starters in this preseason matchup on Saturday. So it looks like, uh, you know, depending on how drives go, Matt Ryan and some of the other starters could see up to a quarter, which is a lot for a, a Frank Reich team and just in the modern NFL in general anymore. But I kind of get where they're coming from. They've lost in week one and have had slow starts in general for the last 10 years. Something's got to change. I mean, you have to take the the balance of risk of your guy getting hurt versus being ready and you know feeling prepared to go in week one I don't think you're a very good a big proponent of playing <laughs> starters in the preseason so what what are your thoughts on that so I need to preface this by saying I'm not a big proponent of the preseason at all I I despise preseason football I think it's a waste of time I think it's purely for TV ratings it, that's all it is it, it it serves no no purpose for these players. Like, don't get me wrong, the bottom of the roster players, it does show a purpose for them because they get to get out there and show what they can do with the pads on and live action. But 
if you're a starter or a person that's actually going to play in the regular season, I don't think the preseason matters whatsoever. It's so vanilla. Everything that's being thrown and thrown around out there is not real football. It's it's the most it's like Pro Bowl football out there. Like it's yes, you're hitting, yes, you're being competitive, and you want to see that, but it's just adding extra hits to these guys who were in their upper 20s or their 30s, or Matt Ryan, who's in their upper 30s. If he gets hit once in a preseason game, it's a wasted hit that you're allowing on your almost 40-year-old quarterback. Uh, so I, just to preface all this, I hate the preseason. I don't think starters should ever touch the preseason. Uh, but I, I do want to shout out our guy, JV, JV3 on Twitter. Uh, he made a really good point about the Colts' slow starts in September. And it's like, oh, you know, everyone can throw that out there, like what, like 6 and 16 or something like that, or whatever the number is. I don't know the exact number. Uh, in September games under Frank Reich, but it's like, look at all the situations they were going into, right? Mm-hmm. 2018, Andrew Luck was, he started off super slow. Andrew Luck was not playing good football to start 2018. Like, I love Andrew Luck to death, but he missed the entire 2017 season. It was not Andrew Luck to start 2018. Uh, going to 2019, you got Jacoby Brissett after just being told he's the starter uh, going into it. And, we, and even then, Jacoby Brissett's not that great quarterback. Then you get Phillip Rivers after no offseason really, because of COVID. And then you get uh, the busted ankles of, of Carson Wentz last year. So, like, yeah. yes, you could say this team starts slow, and yes, there there has been some issues early in the season, but there's been some reason for that. You know, it, it, there's been injuries to the quarterbacks. There's been inconsistency from quarterbacks. There's been just lack of fluidity because of offseason programs, not because of these – like, I don't think in any of those situations, if you put the starters in for an extra quarter or two quarters in the preseason – that those starts are better. You know, I don't think that changes anything whatsoever. Yes, they've been a little sloppy to start the year, but I don't think the preseason is something that's going to fix that. I just think that need they need to be better. Like, I don't think the preseason is something to do that. I don't think adding more chance to get injured or taking more hits to, to veteran players is a way to rectify that. But, you know, I, I don't mind them taking, cha- like, you know, looking into things to change an obvious, like, fault they've had over the last couple of years or an obvious weak point they've had but that's just me i hate the preseason in general so it's hard for me to be objective or uh yeah objective (laughs) about this but man i don't know if someone gets hurt you know i'm going to be complaining about it on twitter though (laughs) that's what i'm gonna do for for sure there i mean there's a reason a lot of people hate it we've seen guys get hurt and have season-ending injuries before the season even starts i think obj had his a couple years ago with the browns I think that was pre or maybe it was Giants. I don't know, but OBJ had one. Jordy uh, Nelson Michael, tore his ACL. Jordy in the Nelson. Pre-season. Michael Vick is the most famous example. But I I think I'm okay with it with guys who were in roster battles. Um, yeah, exactly. But I'm not, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm scared to death in that Ryan being out there because if something happens to him, you have aspirations of a Super Bowl this year. Right. Right. Yeah. He he's 37. Going to be 38. He takes a hard hit. You know, he's been durable throughout his career, but all it takes is the wrong hit. You just, I mean, it's to, I, I understand them playing him just to get into it and get a rhythm, I guess. But even if it means he completes no passes, I would make sure that dude gets the ball of his hands immediately at all times. Like have, have a personal protector back there with him. have an extra running back or tight end that just travels with him wherever, like, I, if he plays, I would have him in as much hypothetical bubble wrap as, as they could do. Yeah. And, and honestly, a quarterback, I'm not as concerned about, uh, given Matt Ryan, mm-hmm. I'm a little concerned about cause he is older, but 
it's really not even him because quarterbacks, they do take hits. Quarterbacks typically do stay healthy. I get more nervous like like a running back, like Jonathan Taylor, right? I doubt Taylor's touching the field. Right. I, I mean, he should not Frank touch was, the field. Yeah. No chance. Frank was asked about no it today, and he made it sound like it could go either way. They're still talking about it, but I don't see it happening. Like, yeah. If he yeah. wants to get if he wants to get a hit, I would I would do it in a controlled environment. I would let I would let them go live and practice for a session or something, but put the fear of God in them that if they tackle him like below the waist or something, like you're toast. Like you know what I mean? Like let him get a hit if he wants to get hit, but do it mm-hmm. in an environment you control. Right. Don't let right. some some guy who's trying to make the roster for the other team tackle him at the knee and blow his ACL out. Like, right, right. Yeah, the last thing I'll say about this is, like, sure, for your guys, like like Matt Pryor, he's definitely – he's almost certainly going to be a starter. I'm cool with him playing a couple series in the preseason because mm-hmm. he's a starter, but he's still kind of in a battle. Uh, Danny Pinter is another guy who – he's probably a starter, but, you know, put him out there. I get it. I get it. Alec Pierce, Paris Campbell, maybe not as much for Paris Campbell just in case, but yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like those kind of guys, but – uh, Stefan Gilmore. I don't need to see him once in the preseason. No. Yannick Nagakwe, No chance. I do not need to see him. DeForest Buckner. Absolutely not. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt Ryan. Absolutely not. Uh, but I get, I guess, putting him out there for like a series each game. But once it gets to like 20, 30 snaps, I'm like, okay, get him out of there. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, don't touch the field. I'm borderline with Michael Pittman Jr. too, because like we know what he's going to do. Like we don't need him out there. Uh, but I'm Same okay with Naheem. Yeah, Naheem I'd barely, Hines, let, uh, I'd barely yeah. let Naheem go out there. Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore said some injury things the last couple of years where he's had some nicks and bruises. Like, I don't, why are we, why are we giving him extra hits in the preseason? I don't know. I know people are going to disagree and, and people are going to say like adding maybe another 10 hits on these guys over the course of a season isn't that big a deal. But I'm, I'm of the opinion that I don't want to add more wear and tear to these guys' bodies when they're about to mm. go into a 17 game season. I think that's why the NFL took away a preseason game. Because they acknowledge that, look, we can't keep adding more hits to these guys and expect them to function. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I don't like the preseason anyway, so I can't be objective about this. But uh, for at least those guys, you know, your Gilmore's, your Nagak, your Ngakwe's, your Matt Ryan's, your Jonathan Taylor's, like don't touch the field. I I do not want to see them adding hits to those guys. Yeah, there, there's a handful of guys like you mentioned, like guys who are established Pro Bowlers, all pros. You, you don't need to see anything. Like they maybe they want to get get some hits and get ready for the season. But some guys I want to see just because, you know, they're fringe starters almost. Uh, they're, they're, they could have a bigger role if it weren't for the guy ahead of them, whatever. Um, I'm looking at like Ashton Doolin, Kylan Granson, right. Bernard yep. Ryman, um, Dio, uh, EJ Speed, and Isaiah Rogers. Those are some of the guys I want to see a lot of. Like they can act as the Colt starters. They're pretty good players. And right. could start in a pinch. Let them let them carry the load. They, they need a lot of reps because they're probably not going to see as many during the regular season. Right, right. Last thing I'll add is Dio, I think, is a perfect example. He needs preseason because yeah. he really didn't get much run last year. So I get it with him. But, yeah, these other guys, no, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. So that is all for us today, everybody. Uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow, of course. The Colts have their last practice of the week on Thursday. They travel Friday, and then they will be in Buffalo to face the Bills at 4 p.m. Eastern on Saturday.
Make sure you guys are following us on social media at Jake Arthur NFL for all your training camp updates, uh, news and notes that he puts in his uh, articles after camp. Those are great. Uh, add Zach Hicks to or add Zach Hicks to almost through NFL at the end of two there. <laughs> add Zach Hicks to on Twitter. Uh, you can see all my Gus Bradley articles in the series I'm doing with that. Add Horseshoe Huddle. Uh, dot com is where we are putting all of our written content. So make sure you're following Horseshoe Huddle uh, with Fan Nation through Sports Illustrated. And then over here on YouTube, you know, give us that subscribe button. I mean, we have a little bit ways to go to a thousand, but we can make that my header on Twitter if you guys just <laughs> to a thousand. Uh, and then wherever you listen to your podcast, you know, leave a leave a nice little comment or, uh, or review or something like that. We always appreciate it. Yeah, we had a nice little spike in YouTube uh, subscribers today, I feel like. So if you guys even go above and beyond and say like 1500, maybe we'll have to sweeten the pot a little bit. We don't know. Well, uh, to do one like this with Jake though. Well, to do this one, one of these things for yeah. you, that's what we'll have to do. I'll, I'll have to sacrifice something because Zach has attempted to sacrifice his hair, his Twitter banner, all this stuff in the last year or so. Uh, but thank you guys again for making us your first listen today. Now make locked on fantasy football, your second listen. Find the intellectual fantasy expert, Vinny Iyer, who brings over 20 years of NFL expertise and a unique angle to give you the moves that no one else has. Get ready for your fantasy drafts with Locked On Fantasy Football. We'll see you guys tomorrow.